Thank you for joining us today for this life-changing message from River of Life. If you are ever in our area, we would love for you to join us. For more information, visit us at rolcrawfordville.com. That's rolcrawfordville.com. Or download our app in the App Store under ROL Crawfordville. Now, let's join special guest Keith Collins as he teaches from the Word of God. This truly feels like an unusual day to me. I, I don't know any other way to say it, but I'm, I'm trembling. I am trembling at the presence of the Lord in this. Isn't it good to be a part of a church family that loves Jesus and worships the Lord? We are blessed to have back with us today Keith Collins. And uh, in August 1996, Keith and I and Pastor Coburn and one other man loaded up my car and we headed out to a revival that we heard God was moving. And I got to tell you, we had no idea, did we, Keith, how that night and many nights after that would change our lives. Amen. I want to tell you, church, you are in a church right now that was birthed out of that revival. Amen. And when God, yeah, and when God does something, it's not flash in the pan, it's enduring. Amen. And it brings forth fruit. Yeah. This church was born out of that. But Keith, Keith had no idea that out of that night and the nights to come, that a worldwide ministry would be birthed. And he's involved in a ministry, what, some 90-something countries? Yeah. Uh, touching about 47% of the globe. And God is using this man mightily. He's, uh, uh, he's just written a book. In fact, I'm about halfway through it right now. Uh, First Love Fire. Fire. And I tell you. It, it will stir your heart. So you'll want to read that when you get a chance. But anyway, Steve, uh, Steve, uh, I call you Steve. I don't know how that happened. So, but anyway, Keith, Keith, uh, used to serve on staff here. And every time he comes, God uses him in a, in a mighty way. Keith, would you come and minister to us today? Uh, that which the Lord has put on your heart. You know, I've been praying for Keith for several days uh, that God would have him ready, prepared, have the sword sharp. Now I want to pray for you. Father, would you bless this congregation? Lord, you said in your word, he that has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, would you speak through this man and would you give us ears to hear the word of God? Lord, let this be a monumental benchmark day in our spiritual lives. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening. Give us ears to hear, hearts to receive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor Henry. Well, good morning. Amen. It's always an honor um, to be here at River of Life. And we have such fond memories of our past here. And amen. I feel the rumblings of the Lord this morning. <laughs> amen. If we need to go to handheld, we can. But um Again, just always honored to be here and just, man, such an amazing spirit of worship in the house this morning. I, can't, you know, I have been in a few services, but they just kind of kept on going with that. And I thought, well, we're going to just keep going this morning. But um, 
But I know the Lord is already moving in a deep way, and I do have something upon my heart. Um, first of all, you know, Pastor Henry mentioned that we are now impacting about 47% of the world's population. Um, much of that is in places like North Korea, China, places where Christianity is not even legal. But the Lord threw some towers on the island of Palau, <laughs> shortwave towers, were able to kind of secretly signal in a half hour every Saturday. And, and we're hearing reports back from places that I couldn't go there, you know, unless I snuck in there. And I, I have snuck in a few places over the years. But, but you can't just go there and hold like a meeting or hold a pastor's conference. But, but the Lord opened up a door. And some of you here are even helping support that. So thank you so much for your, your um, faithfulness and, and your prayers. They are, they are very much appreciated. So we are, you know, we're blessed to do what we're doing and, um, you know, sometimes when you look at your life and through, I told Pastor Henry before the service, the first couple of books I wrote, I, you know, I really didn't even mention myself at all. And not that I wanted to mention myself in the third, but I felt like since I was at the 54 bench now, benchmark, 54 years old, that, um, that I needed to maybe bring in a little bit of history. I, I, one guy that's a friend of mine that's written 50 books or more, he told me that until he was 50, he really couldn't bring in his personal experiences, but, um, but I did feel led of the Lord to share some personal things in my life. And really, a lot of those roots and foundations took place right on the soil of Wakulla County. And how that the Lord used this, this place geographically and spiritually to really arrest my heart and um, really launch me. And Darla was saying yesterday that we're going. She was telling our two of our grandkids that are here, they're both like six. So they probably really understood her. But she told them that... Um, we're going to a church tomorrow where the pastor trusted your, your pawpaw, <laughs> like one of the first pastors that trusted him to get in the pulpit down at Sopchoppy First Baptist Church. And um, I still remember the message I preached to you, brother. <laughs> the reason I remember is I was so scared to death, I never forgot it. <laughs> and I preached a message I called America, the Destruction of Eden. And I brought about how that the Garden of Eden was so perfect and how that America had had a grace on her, but she had began to go into sin and ungodliness and we needed a revival of... So anyway, I remember the message very clearly. But, but Brother Henry, um, you know, really allowed me to kind of... Or helped me really launch out into ministry before I even had any official education or training or anything like that. He, he trusted me. So, so our, our roots run deep here. And we love Henry and Beth and Chuck and Jennifer and really Diane and Dallas and so many people here I could mention. I'll probably get in trouble mentioning names, but we love all of you guys and we're so close to so many of you personally. So thank you for being a part of, of really who we are and really being a part of what we're able to do around the world for the glory of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, I am, I'm stirred in my heart. You know, one thing that happens when you begin to write um, is that you kind of really begin to live out what you're writing. And um, I'm finishing this, actually finished this, this last book that I just wrote, First Love Fire. And then the subtitle is Living a Life of Sustained Surrender. But um, I already began to write out the first two or three chapters of my next book and really want to detail how that prayer very much accurately connects to great moves of God and to even ministries throughout the history of the church. And so some of these things are, are very fresh upon my heart. And, and how many of you know that we are in a, a famine for truth in this generation? 
And let me say this, not just, we know we're in a famine for truth outside the walls of the church, but um, unfortunately there's a famine for truth in the church. Like we were all raised, Brother Bill, we all believed in a heaven and a hell, right? We believe there were demons and, and the devil was real. I mean, you realize a lot of major churches, I'm talking large churches, don't even really accept those things as fact anymore. And unfortunately, there's been such a, a weakening of truth and there's been such a lack of proper doctrinal teaching that, um, that it's caused this sense of emaciation or, or weakness that I believe has crept into the church. And um, as a result, um, I, hear, I hear the bells ringing as a result. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> so that, that was my sermon prop. Thank you, brother or sister. <laughs> as a result, um, I do have an alarm in my heart this morning and in my spirit. As I'm praying, as I'm writing, as I'm reading um, and as I'm looking, you know, and I, I am one that kind of studies statistics and stuff like that. Somebody mentioned Barna and Pew. There's different ones focus on the family. It, it's very easy, to be honest with you, to get kind of depressed. If you look at some of the statistics as far as the churches that are just closing up shop and places that used to have a hunger for God and used to have even revival, maybe a hundred years ago, these, these buildings are all just shutting down and they're just... Uh, just a, a reminder of what used to be. And as sad as that is, and as tragic as that is, I, I choose not to focus all my energy on that. Amen. Because I do know that God has always had people that were willing to become keepers of the flame. People that, despite the condition of the generation, the condition of the church age, the condition of the government, there's always been a people throughout every generation from the beginning of the church. There's always been at least a person that we can find throughout history. One of the things I'm, I'm doing right now is I'm researching for this new book. I am finding that even in the, the darkest hours of history, there was always at least one grandma somewhere or maybe a set of grandparents or maybe a young person that somehow got a hold of God. And they refused to let the fire of God die in their generation. Keith Green, who was a great Christian artist. Some of you know who Keith Green was. He died back in the 80s as a 28-year-old man. But Keith Green once said that the present group of Christians on the earth today is responsible for the souls on the earth today. And I, I believe it's important for us to realize, number one, God is sovereign. We understand that. We acknowledge the sovereignty of God. At the same time, in his sovereignty, he has brought us onto his team. And we have a role to play as his children this morning. And I, I want to talk about one of those primary roles. If I was going to give this a title, if you're a note taker, I would simply say that we need a divine disturbance in this hour, friend. We need a divine disturbance. We don't need another good church. We've got a lot of good churches. And listen, I, I'm in churches all the time. I'm in big churches. I'm in little churches. And there, there are some, some good places out there. But listen to me. We can have good church all day long and not have a divine disturbance in this generation. We're losing our young people. We're losing our youth and our churches. 
When I come to a place like this, I'm always refreshed. I, I, I love that we took the time and um, brought the kids in here and they are quoting scripture. How many of you know those foundations are being lost in this generation? I remember being a little kid at Crawfordville First Baptist and remember we used to do what they called sword drills. You actually had to know where stuff was in the Bible and all you need is a phone or an iPad. But as little kids, we, we were taught that, listen, you need to know where stuff is in the Bible. And, you know, even though I wasn't always some perfect little Christian boy and went out and done some crazy things, there, there were truths that were instilled in me, even as a child, way back then, that, that, that spoke to my heart. And even when I was out doing crazy things, those truths were always messing with my mind Amen. in a good way. Yeah. And I believe that, that we need some people in this generation that will mess with the minds of this generation. Some... Some people that will disturb the hour that we live in. There's, there's a word that I love. It's called firebrand. And if you look up this word in a Webster's dictionary, um, you'll find that one of the explanations for firebrand is an agitator. You ever known an agitator? <laughs> and I don't mean somebody that's just obnoxious and rude. But I mean those type of people that when you're in their presence, there's something different about their lives. Darla and I had a dear friend that um, went on to be with the Lord on December the 28th. We were at the hospital in Asheville, North Carolina when she passed and we got to go in and see her right as she was going into glory. She was up in her 80s, um, a lady, dear lady from South Africa named Margaret Viss. She'd lived in the United States the last 20 years of her life. But in her earlier years, she, um, she was a powerful prayer warrior in South Africa. And God used her to really help the ministry of Reinhard Bonnke, the German evangelist that God used to be really become like the Billy Graham of Africa for, for decades. And millions and mi tens of millions of people were saved under his ministry. But, but Margaret was the lady, her and a few other people would go into regions of Africa, oftentimes four to six weeks before the evangelist and the crusade team would show up. And they would spend weeks praying, fasting, interceding, battling witchcraft and, and tribal spirits and ancestral worship, animism, all the demonic things that control some of those parts of, of Africa and different parts of the world. They would go in like a, like a SWAT team, so to speak. And they would go in and literally, she, she told me they would spend 12, 15 hours a day praying, seeking God, fasting. And whenever Reinhard Bonnke and the crew would come in weeks later, it was as if the atmosphere had been prepared and the ground had been broken up. And the Lord used these individuals like Margaret Viss to disturb the atmosphere. Every time I was in her presence, I was disturbed in a good way. I, I knew that, that she wasn't just a nice little sweet godly lady and there's a lot of those out there, but there was something unique about her. Matter of fact, she would always be available to us and we, we would call her with prayer requests and we knew that she would immediately, even at two in the morning, up in her 80s, she would immediately go into warfare type praying. And God used her life in such a powerful way. And, and I, I want to say this with all my heart because I want you to hear me. Um, there is a, a great weakness, I believe, that a lot of the modern church has allowed to come upon them. And that is this. We have really gotten good at doing church publicly. 
But secretly, I believe we have lost our arsenal. Not everybody. I know there's prayer warriors here, but, but I'm talking about, I'm, I'm speaking to the church at large, especially in the Western world and even in America and Canada. Much of the church has learned how to do church without the spirit of God. Can I tell you something? I can preach without praying. I can teach the Bible without praying. I can sing whether I pray or not. It's never real good. But understand, we can have worship. We, we can do a lot of things without investing our lives in that, that, into that place where, where the fire of God always comes from. However, historically, we find these people that have always been faithful in the serene. And I want to read some scripture to you this morning and share some thoughts. And I, I believe the Lord is calling us into this deeper place right now. Who is willing to answer this call? Many people want a pulpit ministry that I talk to. I have a lot of young preachers now that I'm in my mid fifties that will ask me, how do you do, how do you like get all those dates? <laughs> um, how do you, you know, have enough places to go and enough income. In other words, they're, 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 they're grasping for the ministry. And I always encourage them, you cling to Jesus. And if you have to mow grass for 20 years while you're clinging to Jesus and preach on the streets on the weekend and get faithful to a local church, if the call of God's upon your life, he'll open the doors for you. Quit trying to, to, to grab a hold of ministry. Listen, ministry is developed in the secret. It's not in the public arena. God will use the public arena and, and gifts develop the more that we use them. But listen to me. The great need of this hour is not more polished professional preachers. The great need for this hour is men and women, young people that, that burn for Jesus in the secret prayer closet. And they disturb a generation. Do you believe or do you realize that, um, that there are some things that do not happen except the people of God pray? It is amazing. It's actually alarming to me how many things are connected to the obedience of people of prayer. The effectual fervent prayer, James said, of a righteous man availeth much. What is God saying? There are things that happen in the heavenly realm. There are things that manifest in the earthly realm because you and I are faithful to disturb the generation that we live in through prayer. And there are things that do not happen. Because of our unfaithfulness in these areas. Listen to Second um, Chronicles 7.14. Part of the most popular revival verse in the Bible. But I want you to look at what it says here about prayer and seeking the face of God. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear their land. Now, the biggest word in this whole verse to me is two letters, if. If. In other words, if we are willing to change our pattern of behavior, then God is saying, I'll change my heart towards you and towards that situation. In other words, listen, this is, listen, I've taught on prayer and, and intercession in a college setting for over 20 years. And one of the things that I actually get stuck on every time I teach it is how in the world 
God and his immutability and his transcendency and his omnipotence and omniscience and his greatness and all the things that God is, how in the world does he connect his eternal plan and purpose to Keith Collins or to somebody, a Bob or a Bill or a Janet? In other words, how does God connect his eternal purposes to our prayer lives? To be honest with you, Paul said God's ways are past finding out. This one kind of blows me away, the law of prayer. It's kind of beyond my theological training and even my spiritual experience. But I know that I know that I know that it works. Let me give you an example. Several years ago, I was in India with a group of, I don't know, 15 or so students. I was there, southern India, a place called um, Vishakapatnam in Andhra Pradesh state of India. We were there for 21 days and we, we arrived in India and that, that first day we literally began to get engaged in ministry and about two days into ministry, it was hard plow. And any preachers any in here ever know what it's like to plow hard even when you're preaching? One thing I've learned, you just gotta keep on plowing. <laughs> But anyhow, it was hard plowing. I mean, we were like, we had all these pastors that had come in from the villages and many of them walked two or three days. That's the way they do it over there. And they, they came in and they had a big hall they had rented and myself and um, the leader there in India, Yesu Padam and another brother with us, we were teaching the pastors during the day. And then they had me doing the night meetings and we were having the first night, at least 15,000 Hindus, the second night, probably 18 or so thousand, they said they counted. And, but literally it, it, it was so hard teach. I mean, we literally felt like a demonic oppression pressing in on us. And the leader there from India, his name's Yesu Potter. He was just in Charlotte a few weeks ago. We had breakfast with him. He was in town, but he said, listen, the Lord showed me this morning to shut down the ministry. I said, man, we spent quite a bit of money to get over here in my mind. I'm thinking this and we've got all these students and we're taking care of all these pastors. We're feeding them. We're, we're teaching them. We're trying to refresh them. He said, no, we have to shut down the ministry. God said, we have to fast and pray. So I'm like, well, he, he's the leader. We began to fast and pray, brother Bill. And the third morning into that season. So we were 48 plus hours in. Yes, myself, two South Korean brothers and another leader from Pensacola. We were in this back prayer room and, and literally that dear Indian brother began to rejoice and, and weep. And he said, it's done. He said, we start ministry today. He, he, he knew that, 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 that something had broken through. And listen, I preached that night to probably 20,000 Hindus. And with, with an interpreter, sometimes that can be challenging, especially I was kind of early doing that then. I've done it a lot now, but it, it could be very challenging. But there was a grace and a power and a demonstration of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God in those meetings, those next several days, like I have rarely been in, maybe a few times in West Africa. But there was such an invasion and a, a hovering of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because this dear brother was sensitive to hear the voice of God Amen. and God supernaturally broke in. I want to read to, I want to read to you something that, that to me, I've been meditated upon a lot recently from the book of Romans. Turn to Romans chapter eight this morning, if you would, please. Romans chapter eight. The words of the apostle Paul here. If you ever want to learn good doctrine, 
get in Romans and camp out there for a while. It's some of the best doctrinal teaching that there is from the Apostle Paul. You know, of course, all his stuff is great. But listen to Romans 8, verse 26 and 27. This is kind of um, an intimidating verse to some, but I want you to hear what Paul says. Likewise, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weakness. How many of you know that in our humanity, we are weak? You don't believe that? How many of you have ever experienced a challenge when it comes to really being faithful with a prayer life? <laughs> Both hands. Some of that's because I'm so busy in ministry, to be honest with you. So I have to be careful that I don't forsake the best because I'm doing the good, right? So listen, Paul says, likewise, the spirit, the Holy Spirit helps in our weakness. Why? For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings, which cannot be uttered. Now, he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is. Why? Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, look at look at this again. He said, listen, the spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is. What is Paul showing us here? Friend, there is a a depth in prayer where literally you are so yielded to the purposes of God that the Holy Spirit takes over your vessel and begins to pray through. I I think that's what this means when I read it. And I've studied it a lot. There is a, a realm of knowing God where prayer becomes so powerful and so effective that the Holy Spirit comes over us at times. And sometimes we don't have human language to even use. And sometimes we are brought to tears. And we are brought to groaning, Paul says. Words that... That, that cannot even be spoken. Why? Because we feel so much of what God feels in his heart. The prophet Jeremiah, the prophet to Judah, prior to Deiran and even after Babylonian exile. Uh, Paul or uh, Jeremiah was so overtaken and stricken by the heart of God that he said, my bowels, my bowels, I writhe in pain. He was so consumed with the heart of God that he began to feel what God felt. He began to see what God saw. He said, I even tried to quit this ministry stuff. You ever tried to quit this ministry stuff? <laughs> ministry will kick your tail, excuse me, but it, 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 it will. If you, if you think it's all fun and glamorous, not friend. Some people think a, a preacher is just somebody that gets to sleep in on Mondays and go fishing a lot. It's good to fish a little, but ministry, real ministry is not easy work, friend. Paul said that he was burdened for all the churches. He said he's like a woman in childbirth. His prayer life was so intense and so travailing when he prayed for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I'm like a woman having a baby, friend. Real ministry is very intense. And I'm not just talking about the pastors and the evangelists. I'm talking about every one of us are called to a life of prayer and intercession, but only some ever enter that place. Why? It's not an easy road, friend. 
I'm not talking about an easy life. I'm, I'm not talking about just showing up on Sunday morning two or three times a month and feeling like you've, you know, punched your Christian card and paying tithes and supporting missions. We need to do all those things. Listen, I believe you need to get on board here and be a member of a church. I, I wholly believe that. I mean, there's a place that, that God has prepared here. I mean, it's like somebody watching the bus go by. You'll never get anywhere unless you get on a bus. Sometimes you got to just get on and, and, and be where God is moving. And I, I'm all about that. But listen to me. You can do all of that and never really know the Lord in this deeper place of prayer. So throughout history, agitators arise. And they, they um, it's kind of like the Jewish scholar Abraham Joshua Heschel said. said, the prophets pray with an octave higher than the rest. They hear with decibels that are unheard of by others. Why? Because they, they, they were the ones that literally walked so close to the flame of God that they experienced his very heartbeat. Paul said it's those type of people that know him in such a way that they relinquish their weakness to the Lord in their places of prayer. Listen, I know there's different types of prayer. There are penitential or repentance prayers. There are prayers of need and there, there's nothing wrong with that. We bring our needs to the Lord, cast your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for us. I know that God meets needs. God breaks chains. Listen, all this stuff is, is very biblical. God, there's, there's sometimes seasons in my life where I just soak in the presence of the Lord. It's refreshing. It's encouraging. But that is not what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about a people that are willing to engage the heart of God to where the Holy Spirit literally begins to pray the purposes of the Father through their lives. And their lives are used in such a way that history is never the same again. I, I, I've spent quite a while studying the history of revivals so much that I even have went to places. Not that I felt like I had to get something from the place. It's just being there and talking to the descendants of the people that were in revivals. I, I, I was in Scotland six, six seven years ago. This, I think maybe six or seven years ago, maybe eight. And I, I was on the mainland of Scotland. Scotland I, I caught a ferry went to the inner Hebrides, landed on an island by the name of Skye, and then got on another ferry and went to the outer Hebrides and landed on an island by the name of Lewis. And Lewis is where the Hebrides revival broke out in 1949. And God used a man by the name of Duncan Campbell as a powerful, forceful instrument of evangelism and revival. And I, I've heard some of these old recordings of Duncan Campbell. And you can, you can literally feel the breath of eternity as this man is proclaiming and thundering out the word of God. And I was able, and I, this is a precious thing that I have in my possession still. I, I was able to sit down with an elderly couple. One was 97. The man, his wife was 95. And they were in the Hebrides revival. He was actually saved during the revival. And his wife was part of the youth group there when the revival broke out. And they, they, they spent three hours with me and I recorded them on my phone. And they told me of the history of what God did. And they said, listen, the history of the revival was not Duncan Campbell. So that's, that was the outgrowth of what God did. The history of the revival was the people that were faithful to engage God and to groan and to weep and to fast. Why? They knew what God had done 
years prior in the 1800s when he had moved on that little island of Lewis before. And they became so hungry. There was two older ladies way up in their 80s by the name of Smith. And they literally gave themselves to prayer incessantly. There was a group of young people that were meeting on the other side of the island of Lewis in a barn on Wednesday nights. And they began to cry out to God. And God, after a certain amount of time, heard their cries and their intercession and their groaning. And the spirit of God fell upon that island. The old people that day told me that there would be men that would be out in the fields and the, they called peat fields. They would get peat and bring it in for firewood. They would bring out, be out in the peat fields and literally the spirit of God would come over them and slay them in the field because they could not stand under the weight of God's glory. This might challenge you a little bit. They told me that oftentimes after the meetings at night, the young people would not go home. Teenagers, 12 to 18 years old, would not go home. Two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, the young people would go out behind the church and they would walk in the peat field. The field was still there. And they said there were nights when huge men would come down and walk with them. And they would hear these angelic voices singing glory and praise and honor to the living God. That might stretch you a little bit, but listen, friend, this is the God that has moved throughout history. And this is the disturbance that America needs in this hour. Can I tell you something? I'm a voter. I usually vote issues like I'll just be on abortion, things of this nature. But I'm going to tell you something. I am not willing to be sucked into a political climate that usurps politics above the power of the gospel and the power of prayer. And let me tell you something. The hope for America is not who's in the White House in 2024 or who gets elected in a few months in the midterms. The hope for America is the church. It's been that in every generation. When the church fumbles the ball, America free falls into hell. And that's what we're seeing. So listen, we can get excited about a politician and whatever, whatever. But I'm going to tell you something. You better get dedicated to Jesus. Throughout history, the only thing that is ever. And listen, revival and outpouring usually happens in the darkest of night. But it doesn't just happen spontaneously and just boom. It happens because there's somebody somewhere who's willing to keep the flame, friend. There's somebody who's, who's willing to invest, who's willing to say, you know what? I've got maybe 85, 95. We got a lady in our neighborhood, Miss Pearl. She's 106 now. During World War II, she became one of the state police in Virginia. They called them WASP. I can't remember what that acronym is. I guess she's still in her right mind. They, they took her car. Her, her kids took her car away from her. I think last year, her kids are up in their eighties. <laughs> so my kids better get me to at least 90, <laughs> but she's 106 years old. That, that's unusual. But what is that in light of eternity, friend? It's, not, it's kind of like we're staying on St. George Island for a few days this week. And it'd be like if I took one grain of sand off that beach and walked it to river of life. Every day, one grain of sand. You know how long it would take me to get all the sand off that beach here? What well, that doesn't even touch eternity. My point is this. You got one shot at this, friend. That's why Paul said to live worthy 
of the call of God. It's not just for the preachers. It's for those of us that know Jesus. As we heard sung this morning so powerfully, those that have had chains of darkness, perversion, addiction, broken off of our lives. The natural, supernatural response to that is to engage God deeply in prayer and to boldly proclaim our testimony and the gospel in the generation that we... Listen, what have we got to lose? We've lost our nation, it looks like, on some levels. I'm believing God for a third great awakening. I I, I can't give you all the answers. I don't know, I hope. But I do know this. Truth always triumphs over doctrinal destruction and ungodliness and false teaching. Truth always makes an impact. We might not see everybody in this generation saved, but we can see some. And it is our responsibility as God's people to embrace his heart for this generation. I'm going to close in just a minute. Brother, if you would come back. I think, Kevin, if you would come back to the keyboard for me this morning. One of the most tragic scriptures that I, I have ever read in the Old Testament comes out of Ezekiel. I just read the entire book of Ezekiel again. Amazing book. But Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. listen to what the prophet says. The Lord speaks through him. He says, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. That I should not destroy it. But I found no one. What is intercession? Listen to Oswald Chambers. Some of you have read my utmost for its highest. The amazing devotional. Many years ago Chambers says this. You can stand with me this morning. True intercession involves bringing the person. Or the circumstance that seems to be crashing in on you before God. Until you are changed by his attitude towards that person or circumstance. Oswald Chambers says, therefore, people describe intercession by saying this. It is putting yourself in someone else's place. Chambers says that is not true. Intercession is putting yourself in God's place. It is having his mind, his perspective and his heart regarding a matter. There's a reason why we are too. So in tears. Because it's a, it's a representation that we have been touched by the heart of God. If there's a, a signature, most people know me as a revival type preacher. But if there's a signature message, you could ask all my students for the last 20 years. You could ask my wife. If there's a signature message that burns in my heart, it's, it's that we got to have the burden of God, friend. We have to be so connected with him that, that, that what we do is out of his heart, it's out of his passions, it's out of his holiness and not my legalism or not my root. No, it's out of his nature that everything that we are must spring forth from this divine union that we have with Jesus. But the only way to live from that place is to steward that relationship with a fervency. And it's out of that place that people arise in every generation. And while others stand at a distance and talk about what God used to do. They say, I'm not willing to do that. I don't want to just have nostalgia and good memories about revivals past. But Lord, make me a revival. (laughs) 
Let, let me mess up what color high school for the glory of Jesus. Any, anybody can do what everybody else is doing. What does that even mean? It means nothing. Isn't it something when you get older, all those things you thought were so cool are just like, what? Anybody can go with the flow, friend. There's always been some that are willing to say, I don't care what family and friends and neighbors say about me. I'm going to burn for Jesus and I'd rather burn for him and burn till I die than live like the rest of the world. There's something eternal is birthed in their hearts. And they realize that we're losing a generation. What are we going to do? What are we going to do, friend? Sometimes it's hard, and I'm finishing, but sometimes it's hard, very difficult to process the fact that God can do more through prayer than I can do through human ministry activity. So we default into human ministry activity. What if, what if three, five, ten would know the Lord in a Romans 8 way with groans that can't be uttered? And we prophetically birth a move of God through his spirit that nobody can deny. And that's in my mid-50s, I'm burning for that more than ever. I refuse to let the fire go out on the altar of my heart. I refuse to become passive in my demeanor. The ship's going down. The SOS sign has been, or the signal's been sent. It's it's all hands on deck. It's all believers on deck. Let's believe the Bible and live it to the fullest. And if God says that he will respond to a people that know him in these deep places of prayer, maybe you've never been there. But friend, it's, it's not easy. Here's what I found. When I, Brother Bill, really focus and get before the Lord, there's a grace that it might be 15, 20 minutes in. I'm just being honest, but there is a grace that will accompany. I, I, I still, and I, I know Henry remembers this well, but I, I was telling somebody just last week, I was in a week before last, I was in another church. We had some Monday night prayer meetings down at um, Sop Choppy. Some of you were maybe there. But there was a, a great, I mean, it wasn't like we were struggling to pray. No, there was a spirit of prayer. I remember we would call out names. Remember that? We got radical. We were very agitating in that day. But God responded because we were delivered and focused. I want you to bow your heads before the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, this morning, we we humble our hearts before you, Jesus. We want to identify with your heartbeat this morning. We ask right now, Lord, take us deeper, Jesus. Father, we lift up this county. We lift up our state, Lord, the state of Florida. We lift up, again, what color county, the the neighborhood around this church building, Lord, all the roads and all the places throughout this entire region. Holy Spirit, you have literally blanketed entire cities and countries before as a result of people praying. But we don't understand all this, but we are willing to say, let our lives be invested in you today, Jesus. Take us where we've never been. Show us what we've never seen. Open up your heart to us. And may we pray with power and tears and groanings this morning, Lord. 
as your spirit comes upon us, Lord. Have your way. Listen, friend, I want to open these altars to you this morning. Maybe you're here and you just need to come and get before the Lord. It, it, it might be a situation to where there are things in your life that are hindering your prayer life. And maybe you need a prayer of repentance this morning. Maybe you need to come see Pastor Henry or some of the other pastoral leaders here and allow them to pray with you. Maybe, maybe you don't even know Jesus as your personal Savior, but you, you feel something this morning. The Lord is dealing with your heart, friend. He can set you free today. There's some of you that I, I believe you need to maybe join a family of believers. Maybe you need a home church. He said, what does it have to do with it? It has a lot to do with it. Jesus died for the church. Prayer comes from the church. Communities are changed from the church. But you got to be a part. You got to be willing to invest your life into what God is doing in the place that you're at. These altars are open this morning. And I'm going to ask you to be obedient to the Lord. I'm going to come down and I'll be glad to pray with you myself turn this back to pastor henry but you be open to the lord and you come and let's do business with god this morning in jesus name thank you lord thank you again for watching our message from river of life if this message has touched you today or if you need someone to pray with please contact